Welcome to Full Stack Business Owner, where we are actually, Charlie, you're going to jump in and do a duet with me. So when we kick in on Build Wealth Inside, that's you're going to kick in on the inside and outside your business. We'll finish it off together. I'm All feeling right. a lot of pressure now. I'm actually let's do this. I mean, but it's going to be pressure. Let's go, dude. It's going to be terrible. Let's, let's do it. Where we are enhancing your full stack of skills to build wealth. Inside, inside and, and outside, outside your, business. your business. See? Let's okay. never do that again. We are to- I will set you up on something else. <laughs> now, for everybody who loves duets, you know what's a great duet? Jumping on Charlie's email. Head over to fullsnackbusinessowner.com forward slash newsletter. If you are not already subscribed, we actually send out some extremely valuable information. It's not just us singing duets on intros either. So it's fullsnackbusinessowner.com forward slash newsletter. Now, Charlie, I don't think an episode would be an episode unless someone heard your monotonous speaking of a disclaimer. So let's cue it. Charlie here from Full Stack Business Owner. I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Full Stack Business Owner team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you financial advice or pick investment products. We highly encourage you seek out and engage the use of professionals when making financial decisions or comparing investment products. All right, Charlie, I'm going to set you up, throw you the ball like a good quarterback does, and you can just take this one and run right to the end zone. So the topic that we're going to be talking about today is getting serious about the purpose of your business, dot, 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 and wealth. Surprise. So take us in on this one. So I actually think this is one of the most critical decisions a business owner will make. And sadly, I think many of them actually don't ever make the decision. They end up in this like default pattern. So a lot of people get into business maybe for a reason and they never put in the considerations of like the purpose of their business. They just like maybe they hated their job, they make they jump ship and then they end it. Maybe they just loved the idea of a certain business model and got into it. But um, they never really put the thought into like what is the purpose of the business. And I'll, I'll break this into categories and then I want to talk about some of the challenges that come with this. Like, And you could do this in any business, right? You could be in a, uh, a coaching business or a manufacturing business and you could have one of these purposes go with it. So purpose number one is cash flow. Like a lot of people start a business just to generate cash. Purpose number two is people start a business to sell it. And I know that's predominantly a world you've played in, Grant, and got a bit of Woo. experience with. Number three is people start a business for lifestyle. Uh, I remember spending many times in Bali and seeing people with like what we would call lifestyle businesses. And then number four is impact. And these are people that start a, a business because they want to see a change in the world in some way or another. So it could be technology. It could be like uh, maybe a social thing, or more, you know, demographic thing or something or caring for people. But every business will have a purpose of one of those four. And the challenge I see is when people don't focus on one or aren't even aware they should focus on one or can focus on one, and they try and focus on many of them at once. So in the past weeks, um, I actually mentor some guys and have been working with people, which has been really uh, fantastic and fulfilling experience for me. One of the things I really notice is they rub up against this confliction. And to, and to be fair, I did too. I don't want to be coming across as like preachy as like, oh, jeez, come on, I can't have the womb knowing this. <laughs> I can't believe you guys started a business without knowing it. I think if anyone saw inside my first business, they may not want to listen to the words I say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it, but it comes from a good place. I, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb. I actually reckon that most people start a business because they're they're fucking running away from whatever something they did not like, and businesses just seemed better. And it was not that they had this defined or any of these four concepts implemented. It was just like, no, 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 it's just going to be better than what I was doing. And so it's just kind of led from that. I would say for people's first business, hugely true. Like in my right. case, it was like uh, providing for my family was the reason. I wasn't thinking about selling a business or lifestyle. I was just mm. looking at my job wouldn't provide the income needed to do this for my family. I'm just going to jump into this and I picked a business base. It's actually a funny story. The reason I got into marketing is I was I couldn't work out what business I wanted to start and I figured who hates a guy that can get someone business? <laughs> <laughs> If you can get someone business, like surely that's the business. If you're really good at getting business, people will want to work with you. And that honestly as much thought went into it. Just horrible <laughs> idea in context. Anyway, I, I want to go deeper into this one here and talk about these conflictions because I think it's a really important thing. What I found, and I think people will understand pretty quickly here, is let's say you're uh, building a business to create cash flow is that comes with some very, very different decisions than what would be happen if you're building a business to sell. So, for example, right, if you're building a business for cash flow, you might be okay with the business relying on you and you being the face and the brand of it. So think of like Michael Jordan. He's the face of his own brand. Now, um, on the other side of things, if you're building a business to sell and you're the face of it, that's not the greatest idea because when you sell that business, you are likely signing yourself up to be what's known as the golden handcuffs, where you will have to go into that business uh, or become an employee of that business to sell it so that it actually functions in the same way. And like coaching businesses and consulting businesses and education businesses are mostly prone to that one. Where on the other side of things, if you look at software, which I think is the great like polar opposite in this thing here. Um, software businesses, like they don't require the person to be the face of it in the same way. Yep. It's the software itself that carries the value of that business. Now, uh, again, it's like this is where I just want people to really look at it. There's no right or wrong answer. And there's software businesses out there like ClickFunnels where Russell Brunson being the face of it is hugely important, right? But it's like I, I just want people to see that it's likely if they haven't thought about the purpose of their business or take it seriously – they're very, very likely trying to chase one or many or even all of these things at the same time and then it causes them to get a, well, just a really shitty result overall or poor quality result. If you're trying to do all four of these, you're doing all four of them badly. And, <laughs> chase uh, four rabbits at one time. Yeah, okay. and I give people an analogy. Um, I, I used to ride quite a lot of bikes and do a lot of cycling and uh, there is like road bikes and there's mountain bikes and there's these things called hybrid bikes. And do you know what a hybrid bike is? The best of both, well, the worst of both. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's not a good enough road bike where you can ride it on the road and be competitive, and it's not a good enough mountain bike where you can take advantage of things like suspension and setup. Yep. So all it does is not. it's not like you get the best of both worlds. You get the worst. You're slow and terrible at both of these sports where if someone was to truly focus on one of these and have their decision-making form around that, the likelihood of them ending up with a really successful business and a really successful wealth strategy significantly increase. Yeah. And I, th- I find it interesting because I've personally gone through this and as we outlined these four kind of key areas, I think I've jumped between every single one through like no order or no decision. So when I first started my business, it was because I'm like, well, I just, I know I can make more because I'm a smart guy than working in a job. So that's, what I did. So it was more about 
just a re- income replacement. So it was more cash flow than anything else. And then I'm like, now I want to live overseas. So I went and moved and did, guess what? A lifestyle business. And I'm going, great, how can I read books and hang on the beach and do all these things? And only upon reflection do I realize that this is kind of what I was doing. That At the time, it was just nothing. <laughs> just going, well, this is exactly what I want to achieve it. Then from the lifestyle business, I'm like, well, I'm not feeling fulfilled anymore. So then I went for what I call the legacy play, which is kind of, think of it like a bit of an impact. That is impact. Yeah. So then I jumped into a big SaaS. And then I realized that the legacy play at the age that I was at was not going to give me what I wanted. So I said, well, I'm going to go for the sell. And so then I punched forwards in this software business to go and sell it this one day. Uh, And then I'm like, well, now I want cash flow and well, I couldn't take cash flow out of this business that had a whole heap of investors and a whole heap of other shareholders. And I'm like, well, now what do I do? And then that's when I had to go to another business model. And so all of these steps of the way that I was actually taken through was, you never guess what, Charlie? School of hard knocks. <laughs> Taking the lessons. It was where if actual fact, if I actually looked at what I wanted to do in my wealth creation, all the way back at the start, I could have defined the purpose of the businesses that I was running in order to support the outcomes that I was going for. So you just bring up a really good point there. You brought up a few. I want to unpack these a little bit. So number one is that um, I have observed in myself and heard your story here and seen it in others that what tends to happen is people jump between these because they end up hating the outcome of one of them. So maybe they really generated uh, really big on cash and they, uh, but then they're like their time ends up having no time and then they go, well, now I want a lifestyle business. I want my time back. And then they realize, oh, I can't sell this because I'm the face of it. And then they go, oh, I want to build something to sell. And then it's like they want to change the world or like the order can change, but you see people dance between these camps, not intentionally. Like there's not an intention behind it. And it, as I said, is like, imagine you spent five years building a cash flow business, then you decide you want to sell it. Well, you've just spent five years making the wrong decisions to get to that outcome if that totally. was there, where if you were more intentful and I think this is a big reason why a lot of business owners will close their first business and start something new is they get this perspective at some point and become more intentional. Like I, I believe with Focus, you actually set out from day one to sell it. It was never – it's not so, a cash flow business. You totally. guys have been yeah, pretty pure on that. The other thing you said there that was really um, interesting to me is that uh, – well, my belief is that your wells – it's just another business. Like I have two businesses. I have my active business, which is the media company and uh, what we do at Full Stack. And then the other business I have is my wealth business, right? And they can have different goals, right? They can. You don't have to have the same goals and you can actually play one of the strengths of one into the weakness of the other and have a hugely different result, hugely different. So if you're the face of a brand, like maybe you've got a coaching business, and you're like, oh, I don't have anything sellable. If I stop working, then the income stops. Well, you go, cool. Well, on the other side, in my wealth business, I'm going to buy assets that don't need me. Exactly. It, this is what not enough people talk about this is that <laughs> the, you don't have to play these games within just the business context. You could totally play both sides of the fence. Completely. I'll, go, I'll give another one here. Pretend you've got um, a really boring business where you've got um, a whole bunch of high quality lifestyle. Like maybe you've got a SaaS and it, you know what? The software runs itself and it's not as needed on your time. You've put employees in and you're at that stage. I know the guy. Yes. Yeah, it, it happens. <laughs> I know a lot of people would be envious of that guy, but it happens. Well, maybe for you, if you want to get a bit more active and things that need you, you could do property development. 
That's exactly what he's going to need you. (laughs) That's what he's talking to me about property because he's like, maybe I just want to try this thing. And I'm like, what about the business? Like, it's completely fine. He's like, I just want to see what it looks like. And he's like, the business will continue crushing. He's like, I just want to try and build something and create something. I'm like, ah, interesting. You kind of get this. But to that point, I could guarantee you that in his mind, it is not as clear cut as we're walking around talking about right now. Because we're not having these conversations. We've got to bring exactly. it to people's mind. And I, I just, I love uh, Harry Trigoboff, uh, which is a, a property developer, where his thing now is like he's building buildings that will last past his lifestyle, like uh, his lifetime. Life. He's getting quite old. Like he's doing it as legacy or impact. He's impact. like, no, no. And I think he did, um, is it the Q1 or QVC or something, whatever the On big Gold building Coast. is in Gold Coast? Yes. Like that's what yes, it, it is. is. So like that will stand for generations past his time. So to think you can't have all of these goals uh, or these, I suppose, purposes within each of your businesses is, uh, I just think, a, a thing that people really have to consider because you can absolutely do it. Yeah, I, I find it interesting that it's a concept that not a lot of people uh, allude to. And uh, I'm, I'm curious, like, in your opinion, Charlie, are there points where people will naturally try and change to something? Like, is this a seasonality or is this a deliberate thing? So, for example, in a business, if you start out saying, well, I want to create cash flow, can I then pivot that business into a sell after a period of time? Like, is there the ability for someone to go, I'm going to consciously change this? Or is it like you just need to understand what goal you're going to hit and what goal you're going for and just run in that direction until you achieve it? Or is this malleable? Like, can I bounce between them? I think anything's changeable, right? It, like you might be listening to this podcast today and realize that, you know, I haven't thought about this and I, w- I want to shift it. I would just think that I would love people to think through it, the impacts of these things, because changing or undoing it can be very, very time consuming. And the, the really common one that I would see these days is like the barrier to entry on starting like a digital agency or a coaching or consulting or education business is incredibly low. And that's why it attracts a lot of people. So many people. Yeah. And um, then I think a lot of them end up burnt out. So they build something where they're actually the technician in the business and the business owner. And then as they grow and scale, they get really, really burnt out. And then the change they're looking to make actually comes from pain. But instead of fixing the coaching business or consulting business or the agency, because all of those businesses can be built in a way that doesn't require a person and are sellable, but the tendency for them is to then uh, shift their view into either starting a new business or trying to work out how to make what they've got saleable. And it's like you would probably do it differently if you thought of it again. I'll give you the example. is like uh, Brad Sugar started Action Coach, which yep. is a franchise model for coaching. So he had inadvertently built a coaching business that isn't reliant on him in the same way that someone who's doing like one-on-one consulting would. So that's probably how I would think about it here. The, the real danger is the default person. The default person who thinks their business is going to sell someday, they can change the world, have great cash flow, it's going to sell like all at once and like they are the one who's probably more limiting their results. That would be a bigger concern to me. Okay, I can articulate this one in, in a story as well. So uh, one of the software service companies, uh, which is Focus, Focus uh, which we've spoken about, uh, has got two, two parts of the business on two different types of revenue and they run basically two P&Ls. Right. So one side is like uh, services based, which is decent profit and operationally pretty smooth. And then the other side is like the whole software, so dev team and all these kind of things. When when we raise money, 
and people look at the current valuation of the business, it's like a they look at services revenue as a one to two times multiplier. And then they look at the software as like an eight to a 10 times multiplier. <laughs> and you're just like, if I was to sell a business, right, as my goal, which of those two models would I like? <laughs> because these people are actively splitting them out. And so it's a very conscious decision where it's not like, oh, well, I now have this cash flow business, which in this example that I'm sharing is like a service business. I would just want to, I just want to sell it. Because if you put it on the market compared to someone else who's got like a software where they've built it up to sell it, your returns are like 20% of what someone else is going to get. And that's the difference between having that strategic approach between this is a sellable asset and this is a cash flow generating asset and starting with the end in mind. In an earlier episode, we uh, did a whole thing on goal setting and like, you know, setting good goals. And I'd encourage people to go listen to that uh, episode because I think it will cover things in depth around like setting the strategy. But episode I think this, four from memory. Just yeah, I, roughly that number I would say. And it, I dare say you must have the sheet near you and know that off the top of I your looked head. at it before. <laughs> but you, you mentioned is such a really good point here is like these all have pros and cons. I don't totally. think it's a right or wrong, but it's – and again, it's like in that example is like the services revenue way better for cash flow completely than a, a would be for SaaS, but it really triggers it in. I, I would love to ask you the question on this, Grant, like because you've you've now got awareness to this, like you've made choices. How do you think about this for yourself? Like, have you picked some of these, or are you uh, are you bringing this into the way you make decisions today? Yeah, and and this is what I I talk to a lot of people uh, as well. Like I, I coach people similar to what you say. Um, and like one of the questions is what would you do differently? And I think that I would almost relate it to like my stages of life, right? Like when I first started business, I wish that someone came to me talking about like these four different concepts between cash flow, sale, lifestyle, and impact. Because I would argue that for myself, I should have focused in on cash flow out of my business first and just hit hard on it. Because then what that would have allowed me to do is push more money into my personal wealth. Right, and then in my personal wealth, um, the greatest thing is if I'm buying houses, which I do, I get to choose is one house cash flow and another house, like sale value, like capital growth. And then I can just bounce between, I can adjust it and I can do all those kind of things because then the business is the mechanism that's helping me become wealthy outside of the business. But to that point, like I have to push very hard and most people have to push quite hard in order for a cash flow, like a heavily cash flow reliant business to be successful because it is a lot of hard hours. It's usually service delivery. It's usually all of these things in order for you to produce that cash at the start. But then after I've produced whatever I was looking for, which would be like my milestone one or my goal, I would have probably started to shift to in business to go, well, what is the game that I want to play? Like infinite money and cash flow is probably not a game forever for anybody. And that's what I might start looking at. Maybe I build a sellable asset. Maybe I pivot that into something that I could potentially sell. And I'm talking maybe 10 years, 15 years, 20 years right down the line. Yeah, but isn't that, isn't that interesting? So pretend you hit your wealth goal, right? So let's yep. pretend Grant hits his wealth goal. He's financially independent and he doesn't need to uh, build any more assets in his wealth business. It's looking after him and his family. Um, well, great. You can totally shift to legacy plays if you want. Completely. Because then I get to go, great, well, maybe – the cash flow business I'm going to prepare to sell, which means I'm going to make it more profitable, might come out with different products that people will not just give me a one to two times multiplier on my valuation of my business. They might give me a three, four or five. And then I might sell it because I want to open a different business to support, you never guess what, 
my lifestyle slash impact. Because great, now that I'm financially independent, now that I've got all of this wealth sitting behind me, I can now do the work that I want to do, which to be honest with you, maybe the work I want to do is just become highly profitable for the rest of my life and just continue creating wealth. It doesn't matter. Or maybe the impact I want to make is philanthropy and help like non-for-profit businesses run and be better and raise money and do all those kind of things. Or I might just want lifestyle. How does something just keep producing me enough money so I can buy some things that I might not necessarily need and just go for that. But that's kind of how, if I was to rewind, I think I, I focused too heavy on lifestyle at the start to go and enjoy living overseas. I think I also then got, was too young to dive headfirst into a saleable business just because of how long it takes, but also how it's like, it's a one swing, one home run kind of approach. Like if you miss the bat, <laughs> if you miss the ball, sorry, with the bat and you end up with nothing. And so it'd be much better to actually start banking along the way. Uh, and that's only in hindsight as to me sort of looking back at it. I'm like, I wish people were talking about the things that you and I are talking about now because that would have fundamentally changed. It might not have even, even changed my approach. I might have still done the same thing. I just would have known what I'm giving up, if that makes sense. I think there's so many good, really good points you made in that as well. I, I, I'm much of the same view. It's interesting, like I'm kind of at this stage now where like I am financially independent and I do notice that some things around like, for, for example, impact for me is now popping up in the wealth thing for Jack. I'm oh, thinking more yes. about like assets yep. for Jack. I'm like, all right, cool. Am I going to – And I, please don't anyone take this as financial advice. I have not done enough research on this yet to know if this is a good idea or not. Um, and even then you shouldn't listen to me even if I – after that, like we are not qualified. Um <laughs> But setting up a trust and start building Jack's trust so that at a, when he gets to a certain age that he'll be able to, like, pass it all down. Completely. So impacting that side of things. And then on the, uh, I suppose we'll call it on the business front, is like lifestyle so I have time to spend with him. Yep. Right? So there's these things that are popping up for me that were very, very different than, like, pre-kids, which I'll throw in as a, uh, like just an interesting point of view of like once you cross that threshold of financially independent, like it will change because you're not as, I don't want to say as motivated, but it's like once you've achieved the goal, you don't necessarily have as much hunger to achieve it again because it's already done. It totally. But it also comes back to like this podcast, for example, was us talking about these things and we'll go, well, how do we have impact to other people? Well, this podcast is impact. That's this is my not, point. There is <laughs> definitely like, more profitable and cash flow positive things we can do than this podcast, Grant. <laughs> I was going to say, like, for anyone who's listening to this, if you're like, oh my gosh, this is a great cash flow or saleable asset, it is not. This, this is like, whatever you do, don't do this. <laughs> this is not going to be what you're going for. This uh, is a pure impact. Like, this yeah, is, we, I do this because yeah. I love it. And that, but that's the thing, right? And to the point that eating glass of, sort of focusing on businesses that are looking to sell and the cash flow, this to me is the enjoyment, the impact, the how do I go and help other people and maybe something will come from it, maybe something won't, Charlie. I don't care because these are the conversations that people should be having and that we are having, but we get to make because of the positions that you and I are in. Like we have we, way too much fun doing this, <laughs> I will say, way too much fun. I think our wives sit there and go, just record a podcast, you'll be happier after that. <laughs> This is like a therapy session. Anyway, let me share some things that I think uh, – I'll tell you how I ultimately came to the conclusions I came to for myself. All right. So I um, I ended up with what I will call a lucky acquisition. Pure luck wasn't intentional. So I was building my agency uh, way back in the day and uh, I was very focused on cash flow. 
Now, not from a point of view of I'd intentionally cho- chosen it. It's because I needed cash to pay the bills. Yep. Like it was a very much that's where it did. So very similar to you in that way. Now, I actually got acquired because I had a, we'll call it an ads company and an SEO company wanted my clients. So their plan was to acquire me and then cross-sell all my clients' um, SEO services. So they were going to take over that. Like it was actually a really clever play for them. Now, the thing I look at, number one, is because my business wasn't set up for sale, they got a great deal. But I didn't know that. Yep. Right. So I look at that and go, how interesting is because they had the resources to basically, if you looked at my numbers, I was profitable. But then if you think about the idea, they didn't need another accountant. They were going to, they already had people to uh, take on the services that I was delivering. So no staff increase either. And they had an upsell to offer everyone. Like what a play for them. I look back on that and just go. I have to. I have to riff on this because it's such a great business lesson in this. I know a group of people who all had SEO companies and there was this one company that went and acquired all these small sort of sort of zero to 10 sort of offshore people, acquired them all. They had to have been running for like three years, X amount of revenue. And so they bought, I think it would have been like 10, 15. Like literally there was just a ping that went out from a whole bunch of people saying, do you want to sell your SEO company? They acquired them all, including their old uh, emailing and customer data they resold all of the old customers into their main service. Then they packaged themselves up with another business of a similar size and sold it to a company that's a uh, public company. <laughs> so so that's called really, a roll-up? That's called a roll-up. They did a yeah. huge roll-up in the industry. So they just went this massive roll-up. And what was the benefit? Because they knew that the small businesses had no idea how to value their services company. They were just all burnt out. They didn't want to do it. They were tuning through clients and they were just hating it. Crap, don't tell people that was my lifestyle. <laughs> Anyone would just say yes did to I get, it. Did, did I get done? Totally. So, in these one, so, so, so you're <laughs> we, telling me they probably rolled off another one. This, this dude's probably like made millions off dude, that play. Dude, focus, focus has pulled in one. Like they did an acquisition of a company and it was like <laughs> – and I just look at this and I'm like, but this is this is the game. Like, unless you've consciously built this thing to sell, you are going to be coming up against some pretty, pretty business savvy people who are building something to sell, and you are the fodder. But no, you did a to good the job point. Selling. These guys, so the, these roll up companies, intentional sell businesses, mm-hmm. right? So you can see that. Look at the decisions exactly. they're making and how they're going about it. Like, I have to, well, let's, like, do the hat tip, it's, the headphone tip. It's a thing of beauty. Well, when you're actively clear on the purpose of your business and what you want from it, I think that's, see what I mean? Like, that's a killer strategy that someone who's trying to chase all four of these won't get. Yep. Especially that's if the you power. don't have the acumen. You're going to get walked all over. Oh, that was brilliant. I, I, to this day, I still come back to that story. Every time I think about business models, just going, that's a good idea. One day. Well, can we, we, we put this on our list? We might do this at some point. Actually, we should take this episode out because I'm like, people are now going to know what we're getting up to. Anyway, I'll get back to this one here because I think this uh, narr- I think this story will help people. Um, so point being is like I went through that experience and then I'd kind of seen inside this buy and sell world and I was like, do you know what? I want to come and play here now. So again, unintentionally, now I'm moving into buying and selling businesses and moving into this more sell. You buy something, build it and sell it. Looked at that. I went on a hunt to buy businesses and one of the recommendations I got was start with a simple business. So do a 12-month flip on a simple business like a yoga studio, which is what I picked. And the only reason I picked that is, one, I kind of like yoga and, two, it's very simple to understand in like it's a 
very like it's not technically complex in like you know advanced manufacturing or medical or something like that. So I went on this journey of like going to buy businesses and um, what was really fascinating to me is like it became very, very clear how many people were trying to sell a job and not a business. <laughs> yep, totally. Yeah, so I just was like baffled by these people that were like basically trying to offload a company they were just struggling with in all honesty. Mm-hmm. So this awareness to like, oh, if it's dependent on the owner, it doesn't sell for the same multiple because I'm, I'm talking to brokers and I'm like actively in these trenches looking at buying these businesses. And like it was really fascinating to me how this was all coming to be. So this is what like kind of opened up my whole world to this of going, oh, there's, there's really an impact of whether you're needed or not. And that shaped what I did later on in the other companies and even what I do today because it's like I very much didn't want to be that in that position because of that. Now, again, like it, it, the power of hindsight and all the rest of it, this was actually a, a sphere on the wrong path for me because the yeah. obsession with now creating a sellable business took me away from what I would have liked or focused on more, which was that cash flow aspect. So I didn't take advantage of opportunities in that time because I was more concerned with the business being sellable even though I had no intention of selling it. Yeah. So, again, did this you is one. You, did you buy a yoga studio? Everyone's no, I did money. not buy a yoga studio because I was absolutely horrified with how people were running businesses. And I'll give you an example here. And I don't mean this to gloat or anything in that way, but it's like if um, when I was 20 years old, I went to an over 28s nightclub. Have you have you? <laughs> I've always looked a little bit older, right? So if you ever want to feel good about yourself, right, and you're a 20-year-old guy and you're like striking out at the normal nightclubs, go to the over 28s and it's like if you're 20 years old, in the comparison to everyone else in that room, you look fantastic. (laughs) Or you've aged well. (laughs) Yeah, they legitimately. And I haven't aged well, right? Done some miles. I definitely have. But the point being, at 20 years old, I'm a a superstar in this, this room, right? But point being is when I'm investigating these yoga businesses, uh, I'm going, wow, my business ran way better than that. So I'm feeling really, really good about my business skills at this point. So inflating my ego way too far, totally. way too far, and that was dangerous in itself. But because of I was seeing how poorly these businesses were run, I actually made the judgment. I'm like, it would be easier to start a new one without the legacy problems these businesses have because they've actually set up so many things that are done poorly, it's more expensive to fix them than start a new. Yeah, you can always tell when someone's trying to sell a business because they need to escape as opposed to they've hit a success level and this is just the right next step for them. And I would argue that most of the businesses that are up for sale are the ones that people are trying to escape, not because they're like, hey, this is great. Because, And, and why do I say that? So I know a couple of people have sold quite a few businesses for like seven figures and the most interesting part about them is that in their businesses, they were fine if it didn't sell. Like there was a guy I know who was trying to sell a call center uh, and he, he just had it up for sale for a couple of years and he just would let offers roll through and he's like, operating model's perfect, business model works, profitability's great, doesn't take a heap of my time. Why would I necessarily sell it now unless someone gave me a great offer? And so he just kept getting offers and he just kept saying no. He's like, no, this is what it needs to be. And like, that's too high. He's like, that's fine. And then like this thing was for sale for years <laughs> just before anyone actually came to him with a decent offer. Why? Because it was such a good business. He's like, well, I built it so well. Why would I want to leave? Why would I want to sell it? He's like, it's fine. Buy it if you buy it. Cool. No worries at all. Do you know what's really interesting? 
on that point, right, if you build a great business like that that has lifestyle and good cash flow for it, you can be patient and wait for it to be bought. And like totally. that, that's a really great and fortunate position to be in, but it may never sell. Exactly. When I had a conversation with the broker I was dealing with these yoga studios, it was really fascinating to me that um, <clears throat> he said something to me in conversation. He's like, if you buy this business and you get it to this stage, I've got someone who will buy it off you. So what was interesting is that he had contacts, like he basically had these deals where it's like, well, I've got these people. If you've got a business that's doing a hundred grand a month of profit and your numbers look like this, they'll buy it for this much. So this is where the whole idea of my lesson has gone, hang on, you're telling me that it's like, you don't just build a business and then it's like a bidding war on eBay, right? It's like, there's people that if you just have the asset they want, they'll buy it for you. And it's like it's that's a purpose-built business to sell. You're building it for a seller, someone really specific who's going to want this rather than this hopium of like listing it on an eBay or a car sales or something like that. So I, I was really fascinated to learn that at this point as well. My, <laughs> my world had opened up. Doesn't that just ring the alarm bell for you though? Which is like, Charlie, right, 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 right. buy this dilapidated horribly ran, terrible yoga studio, and when you turn it into something that somebody would want to buy, I got the guy. <laughs> Can you just be the guy that turns this thing around? Because right now, I've offered it to him. He doesn't want it. Why doesn't he want it, sir, business advisor? Uh, because it's bad. It's not good. <laughs> well, not to digress on topics again, but I'm going to tell you right now, this is the second business model we're talking about here. So roll-ups, Great in this world. This other one of like people who will business turnarounds. Do, yeah, turnarounds and take them to a stage where they can be sold. Mm. I think that's another great business opportunity. It comes with different choices. Like it's not a cash flow business. Um, and it's incredibly high risking compared to some other things. But I don't know, maybe in our fifties grant, just get loose <laughs> and do turnarounds and roll them up and palm them up. Who knows? I have to tell everybody we have spoken about this exact thing at my kitchen table. <laughs> I still stand by. I think it's a really great business model, but do you know why I don't like it today? It's the wrong stage. It's the wrong point in time. Correct. And I don't like the risks that come with it at this point. Totally. And, and this brings me to the, like, uh, conclu- not the, the, what would you call it, the climax of my story? Yeah, totally. I'm, so I've been after having, after having a few experiences like this and going through it and, like, like the awareness coming to me of, like, oh, shit, like, you've got to make a choice on this. Like, you don't want to chase all four of these rabbits at once. If you go lifestyle business, well, clearly you're not going to make as much cash as you would working in a business full time. If you yep. go impact, it's going to be different than sell. And, like, if I put focus on one of these, I can get a much better result in my active business. And then thinking about this on a wealth front, the conclusion for me was that I didn't like the risk of everything being all in my active business. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, well, if I'm going to do that, the purpose of my active business has to be to create cash flow to then buy investments on the other side. Yep. Like I have to have something that would diversify it for me because of what has happened to my father and what I've seen happen to many other business owners where it's like, I'm just not comfortable with that risk. I'm not having everything all in one business knowing that it may not work out. Other people might be cool with it. For me, this isn't there. So purpose tick box became cash flow. Then on the other side, so in my what we'll call investing business here, I elected to actually do the hybrid. And I know I've described hybrids as a horrible thing earlier, and um, they can be. You definitely make compromises in, in that. I went for cash flow first and growth and sellable as second. 
And uh, the reason I looked at that is going once again is that if my business, my active business was to stop, I need cash to be able to pay my mortgage, my rent, my food, my lifestyle. Like I want my investments to cover my living expenses, which they do and I'm so grateful for today. Like that's my measure of financial independence. But on the other side of things is that once that surpasses, is it's the growth thing that's going to enable me to compound that into things in the future. Yep. So I actively made the decision to have a hybrid here and something that is a little bit more compromised. I could definitely get more cash flow today if I was willing to sell some of my growth assets. And conversely, if I sold some of my cash flow assets, I could get more growth. But I like the way this is all shaping up for me because of like it's very purpose-driven into each. Now, I'm sure in the coming years that some of these things will change, but let's just think about this as a moment. We've discussed some ideas of doing like roll-ups and uh, crazy turnaround businesses. What if I didn't need cash flow in my active business? What if my investments cover all my lifestyle expenses and I could go get silly with these crazy roll-up models now that Grant keeps suggesting or turnarounds? (laughs) Well, well, I can. (laughs) That is the point. And this is why I like this conversation because to me, the perfect world is a cash flow, profitable cash flow business typically wins out. And obviously, you have to kind of enjoy what you're doing and turning that into investment wealth outside of that business. But then if you look at that going for that financial independence as your goal, and everybody can have their own goals. I'm just saying for me, this is this is why it makes so much sense, is that if I can replace all of the expenses that I have on a day-to-day and a month-by-month basis with income that comes from my assets outside of the business, so property, for example, then it completely changes the opportunities that I can unlock within the business. The necessity of the business to earn disappears which means then I go, what other game do I want to play? But I'm going to argue as well on the other side. You also get the same opportunity within the wealth side because once you've hit that financial independence, ain't nothing saying you just you can't earn a whole heap of cash flow from your business and go and play some kind of impact style in your wealth side. Like you can go and donate to a whole heap of charities. You can go and uh, focus on sale. Maybe you want to do some development. Build some social housing. Invest in companies that have got this change technology you want to see in the world. There's a ton of ways to do it. Exactly. And this is where like having those sort of the four elements in the business and the four elements uh, on the wealth is just so powerful because you can mix and match. You can do them in different stages. You, As long as you're purposeful and intentful with it, it's brilliant and just <laughs> – what do I say? Just don't learn from my 16, 17 years of doing business and just like school hard knocks, like <laughs> listen to this and go, oh, yeah, there is a better approach to this. There is a framework that actually does work. Yeah, why don't Grant for <laughs> helping blaze a path for me? Make the choices. Okay. And they don't have to be perfect outcomes, but be intentional about it. Like if yeah. you're really someone that goes, Do you know what, I'm willing to make that compromise and I'm going to have an active, I'm going to be all in on my active business and I want to build it for cash flow and sale. I'm going to do both, even though I completely recognize that the decisions I'll make will be counter to each one of them in some way. Cool. Just be all in on that. Yeah. I don't get to a shitty end outcome because you haven't been intentional in the way to do that. But also understand what you're what you're giving up. Uh, one of the questions that, Charlie, you know, I, I always ask myself is like, what am I not seeing here? So if you're being very focused on like impact out of your business, like right now, You've just got to be understanding of the other three elements that you're not focusing on. And you've got to be accepting of that. 
right? It's like the second that someone provides you with all the options and all the pros and cons and you go, this is the decision I'm going to make. Awesome, stick to it. Just know what, you, what you're giving up in the other ones just because you can't push forward five years and go, damn, if only I had have known that I could have focused on cash flow because of the impact. Like that's well, not- don't, don't be that guy that's like, <laughs> I've spent 10 years working harder than you pissed off at all the people that are on a beach in yeah. Bali. It's like, Con, you made your choice. <laughs> <laughs> totally. You saw a whole heap of them the other day in the CBD. <laughs> but to that point, I will say I know uh, someone who's very, very close to me and one third of all of the cash that they were earning was actually donated, uh, like huge philanthropic things at the age of in his 30s. And it was through like a couple of – a lot of conversations I should say around like is this probably the best usage? To, like are you utilising your money the best in order for you to make the greatest impact in this world? Potentially if you invest now, you can actually earn more money to go and make a bigger impact. And it's not that every single month you have to continue doing these impacts. And so just providing this different lens around how to perceive the impact that he was making, he's like, oh, well, I can actually just hold off for 10 years and then I can actually make a bigger impact later. And it's like, and I will, and I know the guy 100% will, rather than trying to make these like d- deposits along the way because of his ability to earn into the compounding effect of like cash flow in his example. Yeah. So there's so, so many, many ways to play it. Yeah. So many ways. And I, I think our audience will be skewed into probably aligning with some of the ways we think about this. Probably. <laughs> because well, I hope yeah, they are. That's what I'm here for. I'm, I'm here to bring awareness to these things because, like, in all honesty, I remember a uh, in a part of my journey is, like, I'm just sitting there going, well, this is kind of it till you retire. And it's like, hey, Enjoy I'm, this. Completely. I, I do want to throw one more point in that, though, because I've reflected on this a couple of times. When I was in my uh, first agency, right, I thought the problem was the business and I would be like, well, I need to get rid of this business to go into the next thing where it was actually my skills. When I look back on this now, it's very evident to me that it's like I could have had a cash flow business, a saleable business, a lifestyle business or an impact business in that first business if I had chosen to keep upgrading my skills. The problem wasn't the business, the problem was me. And it's like if you're in a business today and you're looking at it, maybe you're in manufacturing Right. You can totally have a cash flow business in manufacturing or a, a sellable asset or an impact business from there. It's Lifestyle. like you don't have to jump opportunities to achieve these things. And I think yep. that's often where people get really conflicted as well. It's like um, maybe consider that it's an upgrading of skills and picking a purpose of your business that will actually allow you to make the changes you want to make. Maybe you're sitting there and like you're putting like unreasonable demands on yourself where it's like you're sitting there and going to sell this in 10 years, but then you're also putting a lot of pressure on yourself to create cash today. Mm. And it's like, well, potentially a better way to approach it. Overlap the conversation that we had, the episode that we recorded, uh, or we can link to it in show notes, around business models on top of that as well, right? Because uh, the second that people hit this glass ceiling, what a lot of people inadvertently think, and I was the same, they're like, oh, this is all I can earn from a service, like a digital services business. It's like, oh, this is all I can earn with this amount of team. I don't want a bigger team. I'm going to have to jump ship and go to this other thing, which might be a saleable business. When in actual fact, no, you can still continue earning the cash flow. There just could be a better business model or you could be the ceiling in that without jumping to one of these different four from cash flow, sale, lifestyle and impact, <laughs> right? Where I went, no, this is, this is all digital services. This is Charlie. The only other option I have got 
is to go and build a SaaS. <laughs> that is it. That's I actually think a lot of people end up building a SaaS because they hate their service company. I think Do that's you? the number one. <laughs> but um, have you yeah. ever, have you ever thought about this? Oh, well, I know I'm interjecting, but I really would. I, obviously, hindsight and experience is a powerful thing. It's easy yeah. for us to look back on these things because we ate the glass, right? We had the experiences. We we took the hits along the way. Have you ever pondered where you would be at today if you focused on your first agency <laughs> and upgraded your skills to this knowledge that we have today? I try not to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a big wound that sits right in my stomach, Charlie. Because uh, yes, yes, it is a very, very, very big wound. I love this uh, quote, and maybe we'll wrap it up on the back of this one from here. Of going, uh, money won't buy you happiness, but I'd like to check. <laughs> so, and I feel like when you're in business, you feel like the uh, the next business is going to solve all the problems. Oh, the next business will get me what I want, and it's like. But I, I would like to check, even though yeah. we probably know indefinitely that it's like, because you look at it and people have been super successful in every business. Like there's the guy who started someone. Circus Delay, right? <laughs> Legit, like mega wealthy individual from running a circus. Yep. Right? It's, it's like. Yeah, people people just don't understand. Right. This is the thing I like about our conversations, Charlie, because just like me, I know that you've run e-commerce businesses, affiliate businesses. If you looked at buying yoga studios, I've had a service office. I had SaaS companies, I got services business, I got coaching companies. I've seen it all. And if I had it just stuck with one, <laughs> a lot to exactly what I wanted to do, it would have been a better approach because I wouldn't have had to eat the pain. However, if I had have done that, I wouldn't be able to share the pain that I've gone through on this podcast. I just I will close it out of this. The reason I got out of e-commerce is I didn't like dealing with the post office. <laughs> Dude, I got I got out. I got out two two reasons. One is because of the damaged goods that I had to deal with on a regular basis, what the team had to deal with on a regular basis. And the second one is because a competitor pinged me and said, How much would it cost me to buy your business? It's great. <laughs> so they did a roll up and made a fortune off you. Dude, we're still ranking like right at the top of the search results. <laughs> like this guy's got like three of the top search results. Because he's just bought them all. It's fantastic. It's a great point to wrap up though, Charlie. So for everyone who's tuning in, be sure to check out the next episode and actually listen back to episode four around the goals and we'll link to the business models because they actually align really well with this episode as well. And if you haven't got the memo, we have a newsletter. Go and put in your details into fullstackbusinessowner.com forward slash newsletter. Be sure you're on there. Charlie will let you know every single time that we drop a new piece of content. His stories are absolutely amazing. And I just want to say thank you again for joining us. And we actually look forward to catching you on the next episode of Full Stack Business Owner.